Sign this petition and save the trees. Who cares? Hey, mister, sign this petition to save the world from nuclear holocaust. Who cares? Hey, mister, they're going to raise our beer tax two cents. Oh, my God! This has to be stopped! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. <laughs> That's right. It is Christmas Eve. And we are here in the nudie bar for you guys, one day early, because no one has time to listen to this crap on Christmas Day. So this is our little Christmas present from No Ma'am to You. My name is Al, and 1,000 blood tests say that I'm the host of the show, so I showed up today, and I'm with Jamie. What's up? I'm Jamie. Everyone I know is going to vote for a woman, regardless of her qualifications or her stance on the issues. And I'm Dan, and I know the female body like I know my own hand. <laughs> you know it really well. <laughs> and I'm Stephen, and I don't like tea. Who really does? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but I have water. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are here, and we are reviewing Chicago Wine Party. This is Season 7, Episode 7, and there's no 7. Oh, sorry, Jamie, I stole that from you. (laughs) (laughs) It just rolled off my tongue. It was too perfect. And do you know, I didn't, throughout the entire episode, I didn't even notice until I just just happened to look here and it was like season seven, episode seven. I'm like, oh, hey, there was no seven. I, but while I'm watching it, not a clue. Yeah, right. Me neither. I didn't think about it. I guess. What does that say? Yeah, Steven asked to come on the show subconsciously. He just liked it a lot because he wasn't on, but he didn't even realize that. <laughs> Do you think they realized it when they were filming it? No. <laughs> Again, they don't know how to work the kid in, no. the writers. Especially on a show where it's about voting. Kids can't vote. Or drink. Right. Yeah, he's useless. <laughs> or get a date. <laughs> Well, he does, apparently, because there's been at least twice where he's had a date. Mm -hmm. It's just silliness. Oddly enough. Yeah, this episode aired November 1st, 1992. Special guest stars Carrie Coleman as Muffy, Pearl Shear as Volunteer One, Cynthia Allison as TV News Anchor, Michael Goldfinger as Doug, Hartley Silver as Storekeeper Jim, Flora Burke as Volunteer 2, Jim Churros as Activist 1, Cynthia Sanders as Activist 2, and Ed Burke as Man. There is a couple um, cameos, too, that we'll get into. The Chicago Wine Party. With the elections coming up, Al convinces his family to register to vote for the first time in an effort to stop a proposed tax on beer. When the tax increase passes, Al leads an angry protest to overturn the bill. This episode aired two days before the U.S. presidential election of 92, which, Ah. of course, Bill Clinton won. Yeah, 
He defeated George Bush, uh, preventing him from a second term. Clinton was elected with only 43% of the popular vote, since Ross Perot took 19% of the popular vote, depriving Bush of a second term. Interestingly, the next two presidential elections, 96 and 2000, saw the winner with less than 50% of the popular vote. And this happened again in 2016. So the title of this episode, The Chicago Wine Party, is a play on the Boston Tea Party. Never heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's where people were angry about uh, attacks on tea. So when it came over on a boat, they they picked up all the crates and threw it in the ocean. (laughs) With their bare hands. Yeah. That really didn't get us anywhere in, in in life down the road because we are getting raped every day <laughs> with our taxes. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but thanks for the gesture, guys. Right. <laughs> we do appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so Al's walking down the streets. It's election time around here in Chicago. Well, in the world, I guess. And Al's walking down the streets, stepping on gum. That's a big piece of gum. Yeah. I've never... That's like a whole pack of gum chewed at once. Yeah, like somebody spit out Big League chew or something. <laughs> right? Yeah, I found it ironic that a shoe salesman has a lousy, such a lousy pair of shoes. Shoes? I thought the same thing, dude. I thought the same thing. But it's, his pants look nice, though. Right? <laughs> hey, Bundy. Car broken down again? Nobody will give you a ride, huh? <laughs> Well, maybe I should have called your wife. She always gives everybody a ride. <laughs> so this, and Dan, this joke is similar to the season four, the first episode you were on. Right. He goes, hey, Bundy, I had steak tonight. What are you having? And he's like, if I was a mailman, I'd be having your wife. Wife. <laughs> I guess it was Donnelly, right? Maybe it was Donnelly running that shop. It, <laughs> it might have been, man. I'll tell you what, too. When when that joke came in for this episode to kick it off, man, autumn it sounds so weird, but automatically I just felt at home again. Like it brought a smile upon my face because, you know, and I'll get into it later on the episode. But there's been so many times that it's gone off the rails so quickly and you can usually pinpoint it. So when the first joke is fire right out of the gate, it almost sets the tone and, and kind of prepares you for, for what you're getting into for the rest of the episode. And it was, it was an indication of, of what the, uh, what the rest of this episode was. It was great. Right. And the joke is uh, dated, of course, like that's not as as a u- unique of a burn right. as it was in 1992. So <laughs> that, it's definitely the kind of thing you have to like definitely put your headspace back in 1992. Right, right. To truly appreciate it, which isn't very hard to do, you know? Well, I- I'm also learning to appreciate too, like the- Married with Children really was the originator of this kind of stuff, of hammering at home, too, you know? Uh, they push it pretty far. If you go back to that time, yeah, it's it's not that you didn't see it in movies and stuff like that, but for television, no. Like, they were always, you know, unless you go back to, you know, edgy stuff like All in the Family and stuff like that. But at this time, for these kind of jokes, Married with Children was the only show doing it. Yeah, you don't hear this stuff on Roseanne. 
And, you know, it may sound corny and played out kind of like a yo mama joke. Right. But like but but now I think enough time has passed where they have so much charm to them. Like, I, I love yo mama jokes. <laughs> yeah, we want them back. <laughs> right. Exactly. Did you ever see that TV show with um, the foreign exchange of Fez on oh, that yes. 70s show? Yes. Villarama, yeah. Villa, Villa, Villarama. Villa, Villarama. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. There. He did a. He did a show that was like a Yo Mama joke competition. Yes. Oh yeah, I remember that. Which to me is just, it's, wow. It's an interesting. Like, who came up with that one? But it was actually kind of fun to watch. It, it was so fun to watch. Best part about that show was the people in the background and how excited they got. Yeah, yeah. They just what? waved their hands. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that would be me. Yeah, they had to put that applause sign on all the time, you know? Right. <laughs> Come on, guys, act excited. <laughs> hey, Jim. Hey, Bundy. Did the uh, new copy of Girls with Biggins come in yet? <laughs> I just think I'll uh, look before I purchase. If, uh... Steven, do you ever go to a, a newsstand and open up like a Playboy and take photographs and put it back into the, the rack? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I just went, to my fa- went over to my father's bed because he put them underneath there. <laughs> a stack in the basement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad was an under-the-bed guy, too. He-, he thought the big plastic bag they were in would really throw me off, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, "Yeah, no, no, you didn't try that hard." So, and my dad didn't think I did. Oh, my dad also didn't account for me finding this pornographic video that he had hidden on the top of the stand where the TV was. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow, he's brazen, man. My dad at least put it in his personal drawers in his bedroom. <laughs> well, at least he didn't make it. Steven himself. <laughs> You're right. Thank God he didn't. <laughs> it's not a homegrown. No. no. This might be a whole different talk, so, like a therapy session. Of course, at the same time, I was adopted, so it was like... <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't care anyway. It's like watching a regular porno. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just knows the actor really well. Leverage. Yeah. Leverage at Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> My friend found one that her parents made. Oh, oh, oh no! I'm sorry. How how long she been in jail for? <laughs> <laughs> Has she had a rehab yet? It was uh, <laughs> it was pretty traumatic. You know what? That might explain a lot. <laughs> She's just put this together. Yeah. Now looking back on it, she's like, "Oh no, that's where it started." Married children breaking barriers down. <laughs> <laughs> So Al's walking through town. Now we're at the election part of town, and... Sign this petition and save the trees. Who cares? Hey, mister, sign this petition to save the world from nuclear holocaust. Who cares? Hey, mister, they're going to raise our beer tax two cents. Oh, my God! This has to be stopped! Let us give you a beer, and we'll tell you all about it. Why ask why? This whole, like, series of jokes basically touches on the apathy of American voters. Like, voter turnout is usually low, uh, and no one really cares about anything but pocketbook issues, like beer tax. Like, nobody, you know, a lot of times people really don't care about uh, world causes and, you know, (laughs) things like that. I think that's something this episode really drove home was, and throughout the episode, was, you know, the fact that voter turnout is so low. I mean, she, the news reporter just kept bringing up, you know, 
Well, the voter turnout's usually about 40%, but for presidential election years, it's around 50%. They really wanted to drive that home. Can can I be honest? With with politics in particular, when, uh, and this is just my complete ignorance, but, um, you know, because of the electoral college and and all these things where, oh, no, yours is a red state, a blue state. Like, there's so many reasons that lean towards me just not caring because I know my vote doesn't matter. Like, what do you mean? My state's already won? Like, okay, so so everybody's voting for this person, so why am I even trying? What do you mean? But the only way that doesn't work is it's like, well, if that was the case, then how are there Democrats one year and Republicans the next? You know, like, it, it can't just be always the same for right. each state, you know? So there, I guess that's the only incentive. I do know about this, and that oh. is when, when the founding fathers... When they thought about doing a popular vote, but then they thought, well, then the states with the highest uh, number of voters right. would always be to sign the presidential election. Always. And they can't do that. Right. So like California, New York, and Florida, and Ohio, they would always be deciding who the president is. Right. Right. And that's why the Electoral College is in there. And it did give birth to political parties, the Electoral College. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. It's the whole thing. So it's yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm a I'm a teacher, and I taught social studies for the first seven or eight years because I was a journalism and history major. Oh wow! And that, now yeah. I'm teaching English, but uh, I kind of like I kind of miss teaching history and social studies all the time. Wait, would you like to watch our movie, The Story of Beer? God, would I? <laughs> <laughs> So it's basically three be- three beers, three girls in bikinis saying beer, <laughs> and one of these girls is uh, Cindy Margolis. Oh wow! If you remember, she in two thousand she was highly touted as the uh, most downloaded woman on the internet. For what reason? I thought you knew the back of your hand so well. You should probably know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where you download her or what she's talking about, but yeah, she gave herself that title. Just adds prestige and just just some notoriety to your name. And she's trying to get a career going off of being hot. I don't know. I don't know if it was real. You know, you always hear stuff like that. So, but th- she was on Howard Stern for it, and nobody turns down a hot chick saying things like that. So, you know, it's like whatever. <laughs> Everything comes to pass. And even for people like you. Election day is very important. So I'm hoping you'll put up some of these campaign signs outside your home. Well, that is a wonderful idea, Marcy. This one could cover the bird duty on the front of the house. (laughs) Oh, and this is a pretty one. We could put this on the porch where the plaster's coming away from the wall. You know where Al likes to kick it before he comes in. (laughs) Wait a minute, Mrs. Darcy. Support toxic waste dumps? You never vote for this. Of course not. I've given you posters of the issues that I oppose. Because if people think the Bundys are for them, we know the whole neighborhood will vote the other way. We like to call it harnessing hate. Well, anything short of voting would be glad to help. Yeah, no, that's they wouldn't do that. <laughs> 
I mean, no one's going to make a sign that says support toxic waste. Yeah, now that sign is funny. How they have a pre-made sign saying, you know, support toxic dumping or waste, whatever that sign said you gave them. That's different than, you know, be quiet, rich people having fun sign. Remember during Seven's birthday? Mm -hmm. You see the difference here? Like, it's still, it's pre-made, but it's better. (laughs) Yeah, it's all about content, right? Right. It's just so stupid. It's so crazy that that's actually witty and funny. Like, the reason it's funny is because when people protest things like pollution and toxic waste dumping and everything, the the mindset of a voter or a, a person who's in that party is, well, well, what kind of person wouldn't vote for this? Now, we think that about everything that we believe in, you know? Right. When it comes to stuff like that, it's actually like, well, who the hell would vote to dump toxic waste all over the place? So it's funny to actually have a sign of, so what do the people who don't vote for this think is that what you think like let's do this so that's how it becomes funny like because it's so outlandish right well and not only that too it almost uh sets the table so to speak of what's funny on this show and what's not you know um i I don't know i i i would hope that the writers (laughs) and the people creating this show think the same things are funny than as what we do. So when we watch something like that, like you said, it's the ridiculousness of it. You can go as ridiculous as you want, but it's all about context. You know, you can go so far with it, but there's certain territory where, you know, it just doesn't work. And we've pinpointed those. Do you think that they realize that as they made it? Like, so when they make those mistakes on those shows, like when they were in the park that last time, like we were just talking about, when they make those, do you think that they see it for what it is or do, do they revert back to it? Do you think that they learn their lessons from it? Oh, I don't know. No. What do you think? No, no, they don't learn their lessons. <laughs> they just... That's so weird then. That's so weird. It's like it just works so well within certain contexts and then other times it's like what is going on? I can't imagine they know they're writing bad jokes. Right, but I, right, and, and I, I understand that, but I mean, like, after the fact, you know, maybe go back and watch the episode and be like, oh, wow, that did not work. Because I'll be honest with you, you can't rely on the audience. Um, the audience is going to laugh regardless. Because they're there and they're excited to be there. Right, exactly. Exa- I'd probably laugh too. To be well, it's like that's the same thing that happens with stand up comedians. You know, like if you're watching a stand up comedian special. Yep. on TV and you're like that's not funny but then the, the audience is like um, <laughs> then like if you go to a stand up show like I find myself laughing at things in person that I probably wouldn't laugh at if I was same. at home yeah, you same. know and it's just because you're caught up in the moment and yep. you know oh I do it on this show all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> this jerk <laughs> yeah it mostly probably means me thanks <laughs> Well, yeah, because I'm funny. Jamie's genuinely funny. When I say something, Dan's like, oh, I think he's telling a joke. I guess I'll laugh. (laughs) No, I have a button, bro. You didn't even I have a button I press. You just laughed like 27 times, and then you just just press random ones every time I say something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Never notice it repeats. (laughs) Steven, now, when we talk about things like that, 
on the show and say vaguely we're saying like this is so unrealistic and stuff like that and stupid and it just doesn't make any sense so it's not funny you get what we mean right like you don't think we're real oh yeah okay so you don't think we're trying to actually make this reality or anything right oh no no well anything short of voting would be glad to help (laughs) peggy you really should vote this year we can really make a difference this is the year of the woman. Everyone I know is going to vote for a woman, regardless of her qualifications or her stance on the issues. Uh, the year of the woman was a popular label attached to 1992. Uh, on election Tuesday, 1992, American voters elected more new women to Congress than any previous decade, which began a period of unparalleled advances for women in Congress. A record number of female senators were elected. The hotly contested Senate confirmation hearings for Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas involving the allegations of Anita Hill especially raised the question of the dominance of men in the Senate. Actually, I wouldn't mind having a woman as president, especially if it was you, Marcy, because I'd make a great first lady. Yeah. And I'd have a big important issue like uh, no littering or uh, or nice hair for everyone. You know, <laughs> national hair care centers. God, how cool. <laughs> oh, I think I could do a lot of good being in bed with the president. <laughs> and I really believe that if anybody could, I could make them forget about Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> and, you know, I don't mind prancing it for the voters. <laughs> And then, when you get shot... (laughs) I'd marry a rich Greek. (laughs) Of course, she'd have to shave her legs and under her arms and her lip. (laughs) And she'd die, leave me a fortune, and I'd become an editor. So, I love that. <laughs> so Jefferson fantasizes about becoming the new Jackie Kennedy as first lady. She, of course, was the former first lady of the U.S. from 61 to 63. And, you know, until Why the, so short? Until the tragedy. Because the president was very open-minded that year. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, too soon. I'm sorry. I hate, I hate Kennedys. We just lost what? subscribers. What do you mean? How do you hate Kennedy? Oh, they're scum. Oh, my God. I cry every year when, I, when it's the anniversary. Really? Oh, that whole family is a bunch of murderers, and it's all crooked. It's the whole thing. He and well, your, your hero married one, Alex. So. I know. I hated that. <laughs> he, who, by the way, she looks good these days. She, she looks does. so less skeletal than she used to. He, he was sucking the life out of her. Yeah. I totally believe it. She looks like a completely different person now. I swear. I I was like, what? Uh, but anyway, that's so sad because I love him and I love Robert. I okay, I'm, I'll, I'll never say it again. You just broke her heart. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not that passionate about it, but they did kill Marilyn Monroe, who I liked. So I'm kind of like not cool with that. But whatever. That's not proven. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I mean, Ted's like another story. And then that whole, and then that whole um, lobotomizing their daughter <laughs> is, is a 
totally different story. Yeah, I can't I can't change my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I won't say it anymore. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Jefferson also mentions events of her life. Her first husband, of course, said uh, John F. Kennedy, his assassination, marrying a Greek man when she became when she then became an Onassis. Aristotle Onassis. That, that's right. And then becoming a book editor. Jackie was still alive when this episode aired, passing away two years later in 1994. Wow, I wonder if she liked this episode. (laughs) You know, because she was sitting there watching. She's like, I don't think I was represented in Best Life. (laughs) I'm going to write a letter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me and Terry. (laughs) (laughs) Then we find out that Bud also fantasized about becoming a first lady. Which is weird. Because... Oh God! Oh, that just killed me. In, in fact, that's one of my favorite Jefferson moments. It's awesome. <laughs> I listed it on my top ten Jefferson moments. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Hi, Peggy, Bud, Kelly Jefferson, Bud. I just found out what's wrong with America. And I... Seem to have lost about three hours of my day. <laughs> but this bunch of bananas. Uh, kids, take those bananas upstairs with the tangerines Daddy bought the last time he got whacked. <laughs> God, I hate to see him like this. I know. I don't like to see him happy either. <laughs> Family, did you know that? Along with an election coming up, there's something big going on. They're trying to sneak by a two-cent beer tax. Two cents! And what really gets to me is that the money they're going to raise is going to go for education. <laughs> well, I'll be damned if I'm paying two cents for some moron to learn how to read. I mean, where's it going to end? I mean, pretty soon they'll be taxing income. <laughs> It's nice to see you care about something besides wondering whose back is hairier. Yours or your dog's. Or whose chest is hairier, mine or yours. <laughs> Jefferson, can I depend on your support? Oh, I'm sorry, Al. I don't get a ballot. Marcy sends mine out absentee, so she's sure what I'm voting for. But I'm going to be first lady, you know. Give me hell. Yeah, I love when Al comes in and he's like, I'm sorry, Al, I don't get a ballot. Um, he talks about how Marcy gets to approve when we both said that he's he's like, but I'm going to be first lady. He's like, give him hell. He's almost as dumb as Kelly in this episode. <laughs> oh, don't start that again. Everyone's debating against Jerry because he said that, that Jefferson is the male Kelly and they're like, dude, he's the male Peg, not Kelly. <laughs> so now you're right. pulling, now you're saying he's just as dumb as Kelly again. I think no, I think he's an amalgamation of both, but I also think that Jefferson's so versatile that they can use him in anything like that. You know, like he says some dumb stuff, but then you look at the stuff that he's achieved too, and he's probably done more than anybody out of the whole cast. <laughs> oh yeah. In his yeah. life. He runs the gambit, but he definitely comes out with some stupid one-liners or some great ones. <laughs> I thought of a throwback, too, you know, kind of backing up a little bit to the support toxic waste dumps. Lake Chicken McComico. Ah. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. His, his intro. Mm-hmm. Wow, nice catch. Well, Al walks in drunk 
<clears throat> with um, a gigantic bunch of bananas. And I mean it in the sense of a bunch, not a bunch of them, like a lot of them, a bunch. Now, he has a bunch of election pins all over him, basically save beer, don't tag. And in that instance, you mean a bunch is in a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, we got it. Thanks for clarifying, because I didn't. <laughs> Come on, Mercy, you above all people should be concerned about this tax. I mean, after looking at yourself in the mirror all day, you must drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. The sight of herself makes her drink. I mean, that is just vicious. I do not drink. I occasionally imbibe. And only wine. And then only with a fine meal. Or a good cheese. Or to enhance sex. (laughs) Or if I'm alone for 15 minutes. (laughs) But luckily, they're not trying to increase the tax on wine. That would be unfair to the rich. (laughs) So... Wine is free, eh? The working man pays for everything. But a few French people and a couple of guys who don't like girls, they get off for free. And then she says she only drinks wine, though. Like, we've seen that not happen. Mixed up with painkillers. Like, come on, Lindsay. Yeah. We have to go prove her wrong and find a screen cap of her drinking something else. Right. I, I want to say it was probably beer, but... But it almost doesn't matter. I think you're the, right. Uh, I think it was it, right, Steven? Wasn't it like two big mugs of beer maybe at that table? I think it was. But regardless, it doesn't matter because of the alcohol content. Like I said, you're mixing it with drugs. With, yeah, so with painkillers. Like, oh, God. Just say yeah. I drink wine? Like, what do you mean? She was flying <laughs> that day, boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she drinks wine when she has food, cheese, uh, before sex. Or when she's alone for 15 minutes. <laughs> now, I I fell into the, like, same trap. Like, I used to drink a lot when I was just, like, uh, thinking I was going to have a boring or slow night or whatever and just right. not really do too much. So I figured it was always better to just drink during this downtime <laughs> and it would make things more exciting in my own head, you know? Didn't Didn't you get tired, though? Uh, no, no. I never got really tired. You know when I got tired when I drank? If I ever drank and I put on, like, a really bad movie. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, somehow that combination always put me to sleep. But if it was something I really liked, no, I I would just be more into it. Right. Gotcha. So You know, I'm I'm starting to think, you know, uh, a movie theater here in uh, Tulsa, you know, there's already been one and another one that's now serving alcohol. Yeah, and my contention is that uh, movies are better when you're drunk. So, right. I'm trying to make all these bad movies better by getting the audience drunk. Yeah, and then they go <laughs> tell their friends about how good it was. Yeah, and then their friends come back like, "Dude, were you drinking when you watched this?" Yeah, I, uh-huh. I, I've taken that one step further, Stephen. Uh, we get our, you know, how you can um, pre-order your seats. We get them. We get them right next to the exit. So when when we get our pictures delivered. It's, first of all, with ease, and second of all, it's closest to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this guy gets aisle seats. <laughs> I do. Yeah. No, I, I love that addition to movie theaters, though. I think I think that's great. But, you know, that and getting served food, it's perfect. Yeah. 
Well, also too because movies are so long these days. Like you know, like yeah, yeah, you, you get hungry during it at this point. Right? Yeah, like I gotta have breakfast and lunch. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did that the other night. I went to go see Richard Jewell and I ordered a. Oh, how was it? I liked it. I really liked it. You're gonna hate the FBI more than the media. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Peggy, can you talk some sense into him? I'm sorry, Marcy, but I have to agree with Al 100%. You see, if it wasn't for beer, we probably wouldn't even be married. <laughs> In fact, the only time Al touches me is when he's had eight to ten beers. So he did a lot of drinking during And Baby Makes Money. I mean, imagine how much Yeah, he I was going to say, that just doesn't hold up. That <laughs> no, <Right>. it doesn't. <laughs> but it is funny, though. I was Al Bundy. <laughs> That's my favorite line from that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Al starts licking Peg all over because I guess he had eight to ten beers when he was with that guy earlier on the street. And uh, they have sex right there behind the couch a few feet away from Marcy and Jefferson. And the sex lasts a whole, like, ten seconds, as usual. And this is also a part of my argument again, where it's hard to believe that Peg was not completely fulfilled in what I did for love when Al lasted five minutes in bed with her after she made that steak and uh, a prime rib, prime rib, yeah. Right, right. Like, like, can you imagine? She says, I cooked four hours for five minutes of that, and it's like, from Al? You got five <laughs> minutes and that's not good? Right. What am I missing here? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, I forgot to mention also earlier when Al said, you know, pretty soon they'll be taxing our income. The income tax started with the 16th Amendment, which went into effect in 1913. That's when they started taxing our incomes. That's that's about the only time I wish I was not born now, and I wish I was born earlier when I hear something like that. But uh, it's been said many times on the show that Al does not pay taxes. Well, he probably makes below the poverty line, so I doubt he would pay taxes in that way. He probably has his normal withholdings, you know, like any other American would. But when it came time to pay taxes, I'm surprised he owed the government $40. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what it was when he did his taxes. Right, 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 right. Well, I guess I can't persuade you on the beer tax since it brings you so many seconds of pleasure. (laughs) But this is an important election. I mean, it's all going to come down to just a few votes. So I need to mention some of the other issues. For instance, a tax that will go towards purifying Chicago's air. They want me to pay so people like you can breathe fresh air. Peg, write that down. Got it. No, on clean air. A lot of you you know, who have watched a lot of these episodes in a scattered way, and that made you think instantly of that intro image of Marcy. Uh, well, the episode actually took place in Season 8, Episode 22, where the famous shirt that Marcy wears, where the <laughs> it's cleaner, greener Chicago. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's when she, uh, well, that episode is about carpooling. You know, for the for the environment. So she was always into purifying Chicago's air and continues to be way down the road. So it's kind I, of I, ironic if you think about it, because she stated in a recent episode that I don't care. I'm a Republican. Uh huh. You know, and Republicans usually are not for stronger environmental controls. I mean, right. not always, but 
That's the generality. Yeah, it's weird with her. You know, you never really know her political stance. She stated it there, but that could have just been for a joke. Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe she was being sarcastic also. You know, she could have been saying that's her view of a Republican, that they wouldn't help people like that. So that's her just saying that as a sarcastic joke. And maybe she's not really a Republican. So we don't really know. You know, that's they leave it ambiguous. Well, I I think it's actually right on the nose because that's that's my only problem with calling one person one thing or another. <clears throat> Can you not be a Republican and, and feel that way as well? Now, I know what you're saying, though. Generally speaking, everything kind of goes towards the opposite way. But uh-huh. also, you know, when you look at issues, you know, one at a time, it would make sense, you know, because and of a haircut. And, whatnot. and to me, if I could say this, hope you don't mind me, is that I think that's the big problem in America right, right now. Right. Is that it's, they think it's all of column A and all of column B. No, right. I like some of A, I like some of B, and I even like some of C. Right, you know, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I have my liberal streaks and I have my conservative streaks. So, right. And we're trying to pigeonhole people, and we have a lot more in common than what we don't. Yeah, you know, everybody just sticks to their side and they don't budge, you know, sometimes. and But that's all the extremists, you know. I think there's a lot of people who are sort of right down the middle. Fall in the middle. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like like I say this, don't be an at, you know, don't be a jerk, <laughs> period. <laughs> like, you know, be a good person. If you're a good person, all the issues will pretty much fall fall in line right. and fall and fall under that Uh but yeah, if if you're saying I'm a Republican and this means I have to think every single thing, right. like that's the most ridiculous way of thinking ever. And just another thing that really turns me off to politics. That's why I watch a lot of movies. Yeah, I have been coming so jaded with them. Right. I went to a, a Kiss concert about ten years ago, yep. and uh, Paul Stanley said at the concert, "If you came here to uh, talk to learn hear about politics or hear about the environment, you came the wrong place." <laughs> because he said rock and roll is a way to forget about your problems. Right. Well, the same with this show. That's what we do here. So, unfortunately, we're on an episode where it's about politics. We're not going to go po- politically heavy, of course. Um, this is all in good fun. But, yeah. I was that there? Uh, which farewell tour was that? <laughs> uh, the fourth one, I think. <laughs> no, that was that was in 2009. They are actually promoting their album Sonic Boom. <laughs> oh, but, God. Uh, of course, they did most. Most of it was their old classic stuff, anyway. I wanna rock and roll all night. Actually, yes, didn't do that of one. every day. Yeah. Actually, they didn't do that one that time. Really? Wow. They have other songs to play. Yes, they got a lot of songs. <laughs> Deuce and Strutter, uh, God of Thunder. I kind of picture Kiss like that episode of uh, Married Children when they just kept playing It's Fun to Stay at the YMCA. <laughs> like, as if there's any other song to listen to of the village people. I kind of think the same way about that. <laughs> like, what else are we going to listen to with Kiss? <laughs> oh, man. You know? My mom wouldn't let me have a Kiss album when I was like 11 or so. <laughs> I got put in detention in the third grade. For talking about Kiss with, <laughs> what? My, with, with a classmate. Yeah. Wow. Did you guys as a mother? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, would you consider the plight of the speckled songbird? 
To preserve its melodious tone, we must protect this area from further development. So those little bastards can sit outside my window and sing all night and I don't get no sleep? Write that down. No, to nature. Oh, oh, Marcy, how do these moronic issues ever even come to the public? Well, they're suggested by your elected officials, your councilmen, your senators, even your president. So it goes right to the top, huh? Well, something has to be done. Kids, get down here right away. I have something very important to tell you. Finally, he's going to tell me I'm not really his daughter? No, he's going to tell me I'm not his son. But you look just like him. That was pretty low. I'm sorry. I went too far. I'm really sorry. Good luck. I hope you're not his. You're not. Dad, who's our real father? Well, about a thousand blood tests say it's me. Like classic, though, like Bundy's banding together against other Bundy's. <laughs> you know, but even before this, so uh, I did jump ahead. Sorry. You know, well, Marcy says they're not ta- they're not increasing tax on wine. That would be unfair to the rich. And that's basically a class joke uh, that states that the rich get all the tax breaks and the poor people pay. And then Al does, you know, another French joke. You know, he hates the French. He says they don't like girls. <laughs> but now this whole this whole joke where Al says about a thousand blood tests say I'm your father, that was used already. This is the second time he said that. Um, so basically the implication is that he was hoping for a different result so many times that he, he was hoping he was not their father. And he kept getting a blood test, but nope, you're still their dad. <laughs> Our kids, the USA has been run too long by people who know the issues. People that watch the news on TV, read books, generally pay attention. Well, no more. Because now it's time that we had a say in the future of America. Family? The Bundys are going to elect the president. So then we get in, now it's election day, and we are in like a dry cleaner or something, right? (laughs) To, To go to vote. The polls have been open across the nation for six hours. But it's now official that not a single person in America has yet turned out to vote. <laughs> and doesn't she really remind you of Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal? Oh. To a certain degree, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the same hair, the same demeanor. Yeah, in fact, originally I thought, you know, a lot, well, this was a few years ago. I was rewatching it and I thought, here we go, here comes Miranda. And I forgot, no, that was before Miranda. Right. Yeah, Miranda didn't show up till season nine in the episode Business Still Sucks. Yeah. So uh, her name is Cynthia Allison, and she's famous for Beverly Hills Ninja, Mighty Joe Young, Roger Corman's Frankenstein, and Love and Money. (laughs) Beverly Hills Ninja? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. She was only in this episode of Marriage (laughs) Story. And she was an actual um, news anchor in the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah, in real life. I did not know that. What's her, what, what is her name, Alex? Cynthia Allison. Margolis? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, Cindy Margolis was the other girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she was an actual news reporter for KNBC and KABC. 
KNBC. WNBC. <laughs> That's a there was a little mistake in there when they went to the dry clean because they I think she mentioned her call letters with the K. Anything west of the Mississippi has a W before it. Or probably oh. anything east of the Mississippi has a W. Everything yeah. west of the Mississippi always lead, usually leads off with a K. Exactly. That is a goof. Yeah. Uh, there are a few exceptions on west of the Mississippi because some of those stations in L.A. or in Dallas started before the FCC made that. But anyway, it was set my notes last night. Right. Yeah. Good. Good catch. Nice. You're right. Not only that, Bob, but I understand that nobody's even watching our election coverage. So I've been told to do whatever it takes to get you to tune in. So she's, she wants to get some uh, interest in this program. So she lifts up her skirt and exposes these uh, sexy little thigh-high uh, garter belts or something, right? Yeah. But what's funny is if no one's watching... How is that supposed to increase ratings? Because if no one's watching, then they're not going to know to watch. They're not going to know to see that. Right. I think the hope is if someone's flipping through, they'll stay on that channel. Probably. Which would work. I'd stay. And I'd be like, oh, wait, you're talking about politics? And I'd turn it right off. See that on F Troop, folks. <laughs> That's another reference to uh, F Troop, aka Larry Storch. He appears on Married with Children in season nine. So we think that the producers are F Troop fans because, uh, you know, this it's been mentioned quite a few times and it still will in the future, too. In an earlier episode, uh, Al says to Bud, F Troop is on. Remember when Bud was, like, miserable about his whole dating situation? And he goes, "Yes, come on, Bud, F Troop is on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this broadcast is being done in a dry cleaner, like I said, and they have voting booths set up in there. I never heard of anything like that. I know they just put it kind of anywhere, but, you know, this is obviously extreme for a joke to just show the the low level of whatever it is. <coughs> <laughs> now that I have your attention, be aware. If any people show up to vote today, the future of this country is in their hands. Voters coming through, make way, make way. Voters coming through. And the Bundys walk in on cue. <laughs> and they walk in like bosses, really. Family, breathe the democracy. <laughs> This is where it all happens. Yes, in a dry cleaner like this, they elected Washington and Lincoln. And at a round table where this volunteer sits, they signed the Declaration of Independence. And from the looks of her, she was probably there to see it. Hey, get a picture of me and Betsy Ross here. I always love these people who get hired and they're just like there to be insulted. I just love that. Did you notice that Bud was wearing a, a star-spangled shirt? No. Yes. Red, white, and blue with uh, white stars. Yeah. I was. I kind of figured that might be why she asked him if it was his first time because he was looking all patriotic and excited. Yeah. Uh, fun little fact: my hometown of Falmouth, Massachusetts, is Betsy Ross's hometown as well. Oh. Hey. Oh, there's even a little museum and everything. Wow. Do you have any pictures? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I can... <laughs> I'll post it. I'll post it to the group. I used to. Uh, I used to mow the grass right next to it. Something else is that Al referenced the woman and said uh, he mentioned the Phil- the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and that she was there. Well, you know that wasn't in Chicago, the Constitutional Convention or the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, I, he is really just, he has no idea what he's talking about. No. Of course, that's, that's the average American. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say, how is that any different from anybody else? Right. No. Yep. And of course, you know, uh, she's famous for the American flag, sewing the American flag. So. <laughs> All right. Now, down to business. I'm Bundy. Al Bundy, and I'm here to serve my country. Then please consider a minty mouthwash. I thought he served his country playing high school football. Oh, yeah. (laughs) God. (laughs) What's your name? Kelly. Oh, you should be in the case. Oh, thank you. Bundy. Oh, you should be in the bees. <laughs> oh, thank you. Your name? Kelly. Well, you should be in the case. <laughs> they don't want me over there. Well, let's point out that this isn't Kelly's stupidity exactly. It's more the stupidity of the Betsy Ross lady. Like, she would, she should say, what's your last name? What's your full name or something, you know? like. Right. Then again, Kelly can be a last name. Yeah. It was my sister's last name when she was married. <laughs> yeah, I know several people that have that last name, yeah. Yeah, like Jim Kelly, the guy from the Buffalo Bills, who lost hey. four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah. Right. Um, so I I suppose this this could be legitimately everyone's fault here, and it's definitely Kelly's, because then when she goes to the, the K's, <laughs> she says, what's your name? She says, <laughs> Bundy. Like, why is she compelled to give the two different names when she gets to two different places? It's so and funny. It, and that those two workers can't hear each other from... Right, the, 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 six feet there. Well, yeah. plus, doesn't the first woman realize that she just saw her about seven seconds ago? Yeah, and she says, what's your name again? <laughs> so stupid. Like, number one, <laughs> you just saw her, too. How do you not remember? It was only seconds. Right. <laughs> Your name, please. Uh, Bundy. Bud Bundy. Is this your first time? (laughs) Are you kidding? Why does everyone look at me and just assume I'm a virgin? Because I'm not. Could a virgin tell you the name and last book read by every Playboy centerfold in the last ten years? I've been there and back, baby. I know the female body like I know my own hand. I mean, the back of my hand. So I hate to be the Debbie Downer, because I know everyone likes this little outburst that Bud has. But uh, this whole premise of this joke makes zero sense. You know, he's walking in to vote. So when she says, is this your first time? Why would he say, why does everyone think I'm a virgin? It's not like he's going in there to have sex. It's not like a brothel or something. So when she says, is this your first time, why, first time, what does he think he's doing for the first time, having sex? Like, why, 
Why is he? How is that his reaction? I, I don't understand any of this. Bud, oh, bud, they scream. Why, once I even took a girl. Sir, I just meant, is this the first time you're voting? Oh. <laughs> I guess that's something I can admit to. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, that looks good. So if anyone's confused, if Bud's defending himself, and you're like, wait a minute, I thought he loses his virginity in the future episode the where he sleeps with his cousin's uh, fiancé. Uh, fiance. If you really break it down, after he's done defending that he, he had sex, when she says, no, I meant voting, and he goes, oh, well, that I can admit to. So basically, that's him saying he just wasn't admitting to it. Right, right. Yeah, so you can... Now go along with this, I guess. Mm-hmm. Tell me, where do I go and what do I do with it? I bet that isn't the first time you ask that. <laughs> I know what you're doing. You're trying to tear me down because you want me. <laughs> All girls do that. I know you're twitching under your girdle. <laughs> Well, dream on, Methuselah. Which is, uh, Methuselah's what? Like this mythical thing? Uh, like the person who lived the longest in the world? person or? who lived the longest in the Bible, in the Old Testament. In the Bible, yeah. Mm-hmm. 962 years. Wow. What on earth made Methuselah die at that point? Who knows? Old age? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> How do you die after you live 962 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is he, Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> oh, honey, it's okay. Here, take a ballot. Hell, this is Chicago. Take two. <laughs> hey, is it yellow in everybody's booth? <laughs> Oops, never mind. Just had hair in my eyes. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, kids. I just have to ask Daddy a question. Hey, woman! What are you doing in here? This is sacred! Hey, oh, hey, that's sacred, too. Take me, Al. Right here with the fate of democracy in your hands. Peg climbs under the voting booths while all four of them are in there, and uh, she goes up into Al's booth. She wants to have sex right here right now and she lifts him off the floor <laughs> so now that that's peg getting two sex points <laughs> yeah that is um so al's looking in the window of a store that sells tvs to find out the results of the election how can they hear the tv i mean <laughs> <inside of laughs> that happens a lot though they I, do this this thing a lot where people walk by, and I always wondered. I'm like, they can't hear that. Yeah, they did that in Halloween three, right? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Right, Jay. Oh. Yeah. Um. So, but real quick, before Al even walks over to this TV and looks at the results, like earlier, you know, when Bud's getting, uh, or no, when when Kelly is trying to vote, she's about to cry because she doesn't know where that what to say with her name. So the girl goes, "Oh dear." Don't worry about it. Here, take take two ballots. <laughs> she Chicago, said, take two. Yeah, hell, this is Chicago take two. Yeah. 
Vote early and vote often is a general tongue-in-cheek phrase used in relation to elections and voting process. Though rarely considered a serious suggestion, the phrase theoretically encourages corrupt electoral activity, but is used mostly to suggest the occurrence of such corruption. The phrase had its origins in the United States in the mid-19th century and had an early appearance in Britain when a newspaper reprinted correspondence from American Solicitor. The phrase, however, did not find widespread use until the early 1900s when it was used in relation to activities of organized crime figures in Chicago. And now for the election news. There's good news for those who think Americans no longer care about the electoral process. In the largest turnout in the last three national elections, a full one-half of one percent of all registered voters actually did vote. Give them hell, America. And that's the second time that give them hell was said in this episode. When Jefferson told Al he's going to be a first lady, he goes, well, give him hell. Right. Oh, that's a weird thing. I somehow didn't mention the writer of this um, episode. The writer is Stacey Lip. And uh, so she wrote that twice. And the director, as always, or as usual, is Jerry Cohen. <clears throat> you know, that's some that's the kind of information you normally learn an hour into a podcast. Right. <laughs> now let's look at some local returns. The beer tax passed, 25,000 to 10,000. And the closest race, the so-called Save the Earth Clean Air Amendment, passed by a vote of 5 to 4. Oh, the Clean Air Act was 5 to 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Them four. It was cool to see the like all the Bundys walk through the, you know, the downtown chicago right that's pretty cool because you don't really see that it's kind of weird to see them out in the elements <laughs> right right you know like amongst other people what do you guys think of the set here now are they real did they just you know block off the road and film this or did they build this set for them to walk through oh that is such a set yeah it's, it's a set, a set. it, it didn't built. look real right right Not even a little bit <laughs> Assigned for Final Vinyl, the record store, where Al goes to find the name of a song in season five, and we remember this. <laughs> Oldies but youngins. Can be seen in this episode as the Bundys walk away after the election results. So that's cool. Yeah. Look at them adding some, like, uh, geographical continuity. Like, they went through the trouble of that for, like, real fans. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> It would have been awesome if they had to go with him playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That's funny. <laughs> or Anna. It was called Anna. I'm sorry. Anna. And now we're going to hear from our president-elect as we take you live to his campaign. <laughs> we lost everything. Not one single thing we wanted passed. I guess Bundys don't count. Or Ed, or Reed. Or get a woman. Or a man. What a waste of a day. It's all Dad's fault. I mean, he made us part of the electrical process. Once again, we learned that we mean nothing. Well, at least we tried. And failed as usual. Kid's right. Give up. We did. No, we can't quit. You said we should try again next year? No. Tell you the truth, I'm never voting again. 
Like marriage, no matter who you choose, it turns out bad. And it says Michael Moy is in there, too. Right. He was an uncredited one. Yeah, so he's probably just, you know, standing in the back when Al's giving the speech. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Al says, no matter who you vote for, uh, it's like marriage. It turns out bad. Uh, unless you're rich, he says. So then Al starts giving basically like an anti-rich people speech. Uh, about how no one cares about the lower class working man and how much of his pay goes to beer because it's being taxed a whole two cents. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, this whole thing, because they talk about the beer tax being increased by two cents, but near the end, when the reporter is talking about it, she mentions a 2% beer tax increase. So they kind of messed up. Ah. Two cents and 2% are two different things. That's it. I'm never watching it again. Yeah, if the yeah, right. (laughs) If it's PBR, it's probably the same. Oh, Jamie, why you gotta bring up PBR? (laughs) You saying we should try again next year? No. Tell you the truth, I'm never voting again. (laughs) Like marriage, no matter who you choose, it turns out bad. (laughs) Unless you're rich, they get everything they want. Well, fine. Let them have their birds and their air and their. Even their presidents. We cared about beer. And they took it away from us. Hey, sure, what do they care if a man who sells shoes or fixes cars or totes that barge or spears that duty in the park has to use his whole paycheck to buy one beer? What do they care? They're at their outdoor restaurants eating their little pizzas and drinking some fine wine at a no-smoking section with their sexy, skinny second wives. But we're breeding with peasant stock. No offense, Peg. One thing I know, we're never going to win through the system. Voting has never been the American way. We didn't get away from that pansy country England by voting. We did it by throwing their stinking tea in our American harbor. And why? Because Americans don't like tea. We like coffee. And Americans don't like wine. We like beer. Ice cold. Ice cold, best in a bottle, but fine any way you can get it. Belch and burp and wake up in a pool of a beer. So let's show them how a beer man votes. Let's get blitzed and take it to the streets. Let's strike a blow anywhere they dine al fresco. (laughs) Anywhere they eat brie cheese. And anywhere they wear their pants up high around their waist in the European way. (laughs) The only thing that Americans understand is mindless Tom and Jerry cartoon-like violence. (laughs) So let's go kick some elite butt. The weirdest coincidence is that yesterday we were getting ready to go to a Christmas party. While my wife was getting ready, I was just sitting there. I had nothing to do for like, you know, 40 minutes. I was flipping through the TV and um, there was nothing on and it said Tom and Jerry. So I just stopped on it and put that on. It was just sitting there watching it. Oh, wow. How weird. And I have, yeah. I, dude, I, have, I can go say it's been years. Since I watched that. And then as soon as I watched... How was it? Oh, it was pretty good. You know, it was weird. They started showing, like, really weird old ones. Like, 
way before they really established what they're going to look like and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, remember how Bugs Bunny was, like, weird-looking in the beginning? Yes. Mickey Mouse, too. Yes. Yep. Everyone's, like, weird in the beginning. And then... So, yeah, they have that, too, with those guys. Give me beer or give me death! <laughs> now, do you guys know what that is a reference to? It's Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. That's right. <laughs> you knew I wasn't going to get that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just rolling my eyes when I don't hear Dan's voice. <laughs> so Alan cites a riot. Let's pillage. Then he's yelling, I sell shoes, damn it, and I'm stinking drunk during this riot. Stinking drunk. And in the biggest election-related story, people are being urged to eat at home or to rib joint. Whatever you do, stay away from any restaurant that starts with Shay. Frenchmen, as if they had to be told, should stay at home. An angry mob led by a balding madman screaming, I sell shoes, damn it, and I'm stinking drunk, has run amok. And they've turned the streets white with foam. <laughs> Beer forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. So Larry Jacobson makes a cameo here. Uh, guy, he's a guy with a mustache. Um, he was on the. He was a talk show host for God's Shoes, and he did that cameo in England episode one. And Ron Levitt is the stumbling man to the left of the screen with the nudie magazine, and he shows the reporter the centerfold, and she's like, oh, that's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> what a description of your character. Like, that just sounds like that would be motivation enough for me to go to work. <laughs> I'm the stumbling the man guy. who shows a nudie <laughs> photo to the reporter. Right? A dream job. Yeah, Exactly. So, yeah, Ron Levitt shows the chick the nudie magazine, and Larry Jacobson is the one who puts his arm around her. Anyway, the 2% beer tax that was overwhelmingly voted in is being reconsidered in a special midnight session of a cowering city council. (laughs) Well... It looks like the little man finally might have won one. You know, it's amazing. I feel more like an American now than ever before. By the way, does anyone know who was elected president? What's the difference? But whoever you are, read my lips. Don't tax beer. Well, yeah, obviously he's doing the uh, George Bush 1988 line in his campaign, read my lips, no new taxes. Now, does anybody know if that was true? Did he go through his whole term and that never happened? No, actually, uh, he did raise taxes. (laughs) Oh, he did? Of course he did. He did raise taxes. And he admitted that was a, he tried to admit that was a mistake and told his son not to do that. But uh, unfortunately he did and... Uh, aside from Ross Perot, I think that's what hurt him in that election, personally. Wow. Well, yeah. 
I feel like that's that's going back to what we said. What Al actually says too. It's like that's why you can't trust anybody because they all lie. Right. You know, it may be a good soundbite. It may be a great slogan and stuff like that. But if you're dumb enough to go on just a slogan, like like you said, that sounds great. I'm like, sign me up. No new taxes. Word. But at the same time, it's all nonsense. All of it. You know. I mean, and I'm not saying that they don't get into it with good intentions. But I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a well-oiled machine. Oh yeah. You know, oil oil by the rich people. And, but, and, well, look what happens. You know, it's kind of like uh, if it doesn't work with Republicans in control, then I'll vote Democrat. Then the Democrat. It doesn't work under the Democrats. Okay, I'll go to vote Republican again. Right. It's just a. It's a. Yeah, it's a seesaw. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, and right. like, mm-hmm. who do you hate less? That's all it is. <laughs> right. I don't trust any politician. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I don't trust my life in the hands of a politician, and I, I certainly don't need them. You know, I don't. I. I don't find victories and things like that. You know, it's like. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Dan mentioned earlier, you know, he feels like his vote doesn't count. And I know a lot of people like that because of how everything turns out. No matter who you vote for, things get worse. Every president says they're going to reduce the deficit uh, or the, the national debt. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And it always goes up. Yeah. So it's like, right. I don't even listen to it anymore. You can't. I think a couple things hurt Bush, like, you know, the uh, the tax thing. But it also really didn't help him that when he puked in Miyazawa's lap, um, <laughs> that really, I mean, and, and you'd think something like that wouldn't really hurt someone. But if you go back to, like, the Nixon-Kennedy election, and that was the first election where the debate was televised, and <laughs> Kennedy versus Nixon on a televised debate Kennedy came up ahead, one, because he was attractive, good looking, but also yeah. right. Nixon was sick at the time, and he looked like hell <laughs> because he had been sick. So you have him being sick and looking like crap, right. and Kennedy just naturally being more attractive, and that really did a lot. Oh, yeah. Easy on the eyes, man. It's, um... There was more to it's it. It's weird how little things like that do have effect. Yeah. And ironically, people who listened to it on the radio thought Nixon won. Well, people, right. people who watch it on TV thought Kennedy won. Wow. Yeah. And it's it, that just shows you the difference and how and how we are affected and we don't even know it. Like, we have no idea that these things are molding our thoughts, but... Sad, right? But they are, and marketing people know that. They right. know exactly how to how to tap into what's going on in our little lizard brains, which I just find... I thoroughly interesting. Yeah, they prey on us. It's it's really fascinating to me how all of that works. And so yeah, it's and you'd think that something like him like puking in a prime minister's lap with the <laughs> Yeah. A lot you, of people. I thought that really would have helped him. I, I honestly thought it was funny. Like I didn't, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry he was sick, but I thought it was funny. I don't. I'm not gonna take that away from him um i mean i wasn't a fan anyway but i'm like i'm not gonna take it away from like count it against him as a person but that's the kind of little thing that uh, sticks in people's brains <laughs> yeah and, it does. don't i know it dan never threw up on a show <laughs> Yeah. Groucho Marx had a great quote on politics, and it's, 
Politics is the art of looking for trouble, finding it everywhere, diagnosing it incorrectly, and applying the wrong remedies. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. You know, one of the best... So on the Simpsons Trash of Horror one time, um, Kane and Kodos dressed up like Al Gore and Bill Clinton. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, an amazing episode, really. And yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, 73-year-old candidate Bob And then, then the ultimate, the ultimate on that one for me was uh, Marge is complaining. I don't know why we have to build a laser to fire out a planet I never heard of. And Homer says, "Don't blame me. I voted for Kodo." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were both going to yes. do the same thing. Yes, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. They were both going to make them do the same thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, it's so brilliant. Oh God. Yep, but that's basically that sums up politics for me, man, and that's why I want nothing to do with it. So we'll be right back to rate this episode. Now, for some married with children, words of wisdom. Press button A for Eastern philosophy. Press B for last night's basketball score. Press C if you like your own personalized videotape of you pressing C. <laughs> you have pressed A. Heavy Eastern philosophy. Now, can you please tell me what a woman's body has to do with selling beer? All right. Number one, if it wasn't for beer, there'd be at least three people who probably wouldn't even be married. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and probably uh, Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> and number two, since men buy beer, advertisers have to cater to what we want. And hold on to your corn cob pipe. <laughs> we like pretty women. Ergo, pretty women sell good products, ugly women sell. Tennis rackets. <laughs> Pretty women cars. Ugly women minivans. Pretty women make us buy beer. Ugly women make us drink beer. Hey, this is Aaron Duncan, and you are listening to the Married with Children podcast. There's nothing better for me than kicking back in the jiggly room with my friends Jamie, Dan, and Al while eating some Weenie Tots and looking at my favorite copy of Biggins. Can I get a Whoa Bundy? All right, guys. How many cents are we raising the beer tax for this episode, Dan? Out of five. Um, okay, so I would raise it. I'd give this a solid four cent, four percent tax tax hike. Ooh, um You meant cents, right? <laughs> <laughs> both. Oh okay. um, yeah, right. It's a dollar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Beer's a dollar, like you said. PBR. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, do I think it was amazing? No, that that's why I, I held out. Um, 
you know, when I watch episodes like this, there's so much that I love that a lot of the times I find myself um, trying to find that space between the four and the five. You know, this is – I hate to get, like, technical about it. This is probably right below a 4.5 for me. Um, and that's only because I've seen so many of these episodes now and every episode I have another episode in my repertoire and I know how to scale them easier um, according to, you know, all mm. those previous episodes. Yeah, the body of work. Yeah, so I, I think it, it falls in right below a 4.5, but I'm going to settle on a 4 for this one. Four cents. Nice. Jamie, how many cents are you raising the beard tax out of five for this episode? going to be able to come in at three i oh. yeah i think there were some really there were some fun moments here but seven wasn't there well that's actually okay 3.5 um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there were some there were some really good moments here but it it wasn't one that and i you know i do appreciate the the placement of the episode, like what was going on at the time, and yeah, that okay, maybe four. Now that I think about it, it's a little bit better than than I initially thought. It's just when when I ran through this the first time, it's not a favorite, but hmm. it's not that it's bad. It's just right. not one that I would go back to frequently. You know, yeah. I would never be like, I really got to watch that episode. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, okay. That's a good rating, though. That's really good. Uh, Steven, how many cents are you raising the beer tax out of five for this episode? I hate to do this to Al Bundy, but I'm going to raise four cents beer tax. I agree with Dan. Yeah, (laughs) I liked it. I thought it was timely. I love the way they worked that in there. And also the satire on voting, kind of like what we were talking about with The Simpsons just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was just almost spot on. And why riots happen? Because people are frustrated. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Not just, I'm not justifying them. I'm just saying why they happen. People get frustrated. Yeah, I'm really against riots, too. So it's a shame that one of my favorite TV characters ever incited one. But it was interesting to at least see the guy who started it, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you always wonder, how do these things start? Who was willing to throw the first punch here? And uh, now we see who it is. It's Al and how he stirred people up. <laughs> oh, we never really talked about it. What do we all think of his speech? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really strong, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, not a boring second, really, in that speech. Oh, and, and we've seen what Al's subpar... Uh, speeches look like and this will follow the sun right yes exactly yeah it's pretty lame yeah so uh i'm raising this also four cents out of five i thought it was it was really good um it's it's one of those episodes where it moves along nicely. It's a it's a good premise. It's cool that it's about beer. <laughs> it's cool, like, the things Al does. He actually gets involved with politics over the stupidest thing ever. I think it was really cool that the whole family supported it. Like, how weird is that? This is, like, normally something that Al just goes off on a tangent, like, gets into some weird thing, and... And nobody cares. Like, that's how it normally goes. And to see the whole family involved added a whole new element that we really never see with a a plot line like this. And there's really no B-plot either. 
it was all about one thing. There was no seven in this episode, which is amazing. And I wonder how they decided that. And like you guys said earlier, and I'm glad it happened. It's weird that none of us even noticed it. <laughs> that says a lot. Like, can you imagine a main character's missing and nobody even knows that? Like, that tells you something. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody noticed. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just like elections, you know. You know, one of my favorite lines in there was Kelly saying, "Daddy made us part of the electrical process." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good that was a good line. I agree. <laughs> yeah, she's part of the process. Yeah, um, yeah, the whole intro is cool. The whole ending is is funny. The riot's funny, even though in real life I'm against it, but uh, it's funny in the show. So that was cool. the The fact that they didn't even know who was elected president like that shows they truly, <laughs> really don't care. Um, that was funny and uh, good ending. So, yeah, that was a good time. Thanks again, Stephen, for joining us, man. I yeah, loved it. Man. I love it. And Dan, you guys, you finally got to be on a show together. That's I know. Right. I know. This is so much fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, please come on again sometime soon. Well, hopefully uh, some late time later for this season. Don't forget, these are a week apart. And yeah. uh, it could be months before we even get to the end of this season. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that tough week you had, but... Uh. Uh, yeah, sorry about... Yeah, two weeks ago, we couldn't release a show. It... There was a huge storm in Jersey, 41,000 people out of power. I worked 16 hours a day for six days in a row, and I t- so clearly had no time to produce the show, if you can't believe that. So, yeah, but hey, life happens. So, tune in next week as we review Kelly Doesn't Live Here Anymore. When Al can't afford to pay the bills, he convinces Kelly to get a job. Finding employment as a waitress at a burger joint... Kelly realizes why Peg has never worked a day in her life. Now, this episode is amazing. I'll say it right now. I grew up. I remember this is the episode that I I actually fell in love with Kelly. Like something Mm -hmm. about it. I just realized, wow, I love her. And this was it. So, Jamie, you'll be happy. It's a very Kelly heavy episode. It's Kelly centric. Yay. And a, a great actor is in this Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I, I like him. your pool. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Enjoy your holidays. Merry Christmas. And since we gave you a show one day early this year for Christmas, don't get mad if we miss next week because of New Year's. It is tough to produce a show when you're running around doing all these other things for holidays. So forgive me if there's no show next week. But there will definitely be one the week after.